Hi, I'm Malia Dunn, and I'm on the chopping block at visceralchange.org. Listen to what we do. I don't have anything to say. No, wait, wait. I'm nervous. Yeah. That's your easy listening station. <laughs> You're listening to the chopping block. You're listening to the chopping block. You're listening to the chopping block. The one them on the Visceral Change Podcast. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning, wherever you are in the world. Welcome back to this week's episode of the chopping block. We are here with the fabulous Malia Dunn. Malia, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Malia Dunn, uh, you are the founder and maybe sole proprietor of Malia Dunn Consulting, correct? Right. Yeah. Um, not very creative with the name when <laughs> I put it forth, but I also knew that if I had stayed in trying to get really creative, it probably would have stopped me and I would have gone down that space and not moved forward. So it was kind of my compromise to myself of Malia Dunn Consulting will work for now. And let's get to let's get to the good work that we're doing. But Thanks. I do have a tagline. Okay, what's the tagline? <laughs> My tagline is inclusion embraced. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Inclusion <laughs> embraced. I love it. And I'm excited to really dig into, I guess, what that means to you and, and even where that came from. And listen, take it from me. I know how important a, a, a name is, you know. And so, you know, I tell folks yeah. all the time, visceral change did not come overnight. That took a while. It was actually something else at first. And then I was working with a group and they read the, the prior name and I was like, that's not it. Oh, shoot. I didn't change it publicly. So <laughs> it's important to, to do. Right. Visceral change is, is, says so much, right? It says I think so. so much and, and uh, great because then if folks get a little too nervous or resistant about it, you can kind of tack back onto that and say like, if you're not feeling it, it's not visceral. It's not visceral. That's right. Okay, Malia. Like <laughs> so, hey, I'm so excited that you're here. So happy to get a chance to sit down and talk with you uh, for many reasons. One, obviously, is the list of questions that I have for you. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, because I don't think we as DEI consultants get to do this enough. Mm -hmm. um, share ideas, exchange thoughts see each other as, as partners rather than competitors. Why is that, do you think? Uh, you know, I think, I think there's something in the mix of consulting work and independent work that is kind of stewed in, stewed in our white, white culture of whiteness, white supremacy culture, where it's um, individualistic and um, deficit thinking, right? There's mm -hmm. only so much work and I need to get it for me. Yes. Um, and it's so contrary and it's so um, unproductive to the work of DEI and being a practitioner. And so it's, you know, I have an internal conflict and especially as a, as a white woman in the mm -hmm. work, making sure that I'm, I'm really try, try to be as proactive as possible to connect with others, to build authentic, uh, authentic relationships with folks that we can co-create programming sure. for, for clients, that we can be learning at all times in our own process while mm -hmm. we're creating learning. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think that competitiveness, I think that's a, a symptom of 
of the culture that we're trying to uh, shift. Yeah, I, I agree with that, you know, and, and I would, I would draw similar conclusions. Um, sort of that crabs in a barrel mentality, you know, um, we're all clawing for similar opportunities or the same opportunity. Um, when we should find ways that we can work together and, you know, that in, is, in and of itself is a, is a larger conversation. So maybe we can flush some of that out as we continue our interview today. But let's, let's, let's start here, Malia. Uh, okay. you, you went to Penn State, right? You're a graduate of the Nittany Lion Force, <laughs> as, you know, as <laughs> yeah. my wife. Right? Yeah. Uh, and your background, I understand, is in communications and conflict resolution. Yeah. So yeah. why? So, you know, so, or I should say that's, that was in my, my studies, right? So okay. my studies. And uh, at the time when I, when I graduated, uh, when I graduated from college and thinking about how am I going to apply this, where am I going to apply this, it was uh, one of those fields of study that's like, well, however you want, right? It wasn't yeah. like engineering and I'm going to go be an engineer or, right. um, you know, journalism and I go to be a journalist. It was, where am I going to apply this? Right. Um, which really led me down the path. Um, as well as that, that skill set, as well as my heart in, um, into nonprofit work. And I spent, okay. uh, several years in, in nonprofit work. So interesting, interesting. So flush, maybe flush a little bit of that out and tell us with that background, why specifically DEI now with respect to, so, so mm -hmm. not necessarily your journey, but with a background in communications and studies and conflict resolution and things of that nature, how does that lead you to DEI? And maybe if you want to talk about through nonprofit, that's perfectly sure. Uh, sure. Um, you know, I think so in my nonprofit work, uh, I was focused in uh, the, my, my resume and my skill sets, right. Led me into a place of volunteer coordination, mm -hmm. which then was in kind of the the Department of Development, so fundraising development, resource development. Mm -hmm. And so my career kind of went on this trajectory in grant writing and relationship building, right? Creating, uh, helping my organization that I would work for at the time, connecting their mission mm -hmm. with the values and the interests of someone who is, who is looking to contribute, whether that was individuals giving, or uh, corporate sponsorships and foundations, but it was connecting those values. And, and I, was, I was pretty good at the work, mm -hmm. but I felt too far away. I felt kind of a level removed from the impact. And um, you know, I was raising money for these amazing organizations, for the, the amazing people who was like, oh wow, they're really out in the work doing it, right? They're out there doing it. Right. And I was really envious of that, <laughs> so, um, which created for me a, sh a programmatic shift, wanting to get, how do I get from more of a, an administrative role into a programmatic role, right? I wanted to be a practitioner. And, and it was through that process that I kind of, I found my, I found my way to DEI work through, um, some international service work, and then applying that to work with the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, mm -hmm. um, in anti-bias education. And it just lit me up from there mm. in a way that I hadn't felt 
lit up in a long time of of a new learning curve right for myself like oh i'm starting to i had started to see some things that i hadn't seen before sure but now it was getting to a place where there was absolutely no more denying it or if i did deny it i wouldn't be able to be happy with myself yes so yeah. i moved from trying to deny what my privilege meant deny what that held for me and actually embrace it in ways that I could learn and be a better partner, better collaborator. And, and then I, like, wow, other people need this too. Right, 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 <laughs> right. And, and, and that's, I actually want to talk about that next because, you know, uh, race, race matters um, and even gender matters, the way we show up into our space and our identities matter. Yeah. <clears throat> socially at least in terms of the social hierarchy i guess a piece of what we try to do is articulate whether or not it actually does matter in terms of our humanness right and our, our personhood but for now in terms of the social hierarchy and how we are placed there is a level of importance placed upon that yeah um so malia you mentioned this idea that as a little girl sort of your your white savior complex as you call it was, was planted um, and I believe you said it was thanks to sort of a save save a life commercial that you saw on TV about some children uh, in yeah. Africa, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> um, uh -huh. But you also say that constantly, you know, you're on this journey to begin shedding, or you were on a journey that that incorporated shedding this savior complex, and as as you say, building the necessary resilience to combat this fragility of your, as you said, quote, myriad social privilege, right? Um, and that it hasn't been easy. You said you, you made that very clear. And what I want to know is take us through this journey a little bit um, and how your experiences have shaped who you are today. Yeah. I, I should be able to just like pop off with this, right? I have, <laughs> I've shared the story. It's, it's part, you know, it's, I've, I've written about it. I am, I think I'm gonna kind of start from a moment in time here, Please. and then it'll be like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We'll come back <laughs> with you past and future. Um, but most recently, um, in some of my personal development work that does tie very much to our professions, but some of my personal development work um, and growth has really unearthed um, some codependent tendencies and codependence, not necessarily in the way of um, connected to someone with addiction as, as it often is, but really this kind of the, the helper problem, the fixer problem um, of being, you know, in, in my family, in my role in my family, um, both when I was very young and, I, and more recently was that, um, that I was the healthy child and there was a, my sibling who was not. Okay. And so helping and wanting to resolve. And so that's gonna jump us back previously, right? So it, it, it reemerged in adulthood, but in my youth, um, really it was that I learned unconsciously that my worth, my self-worth was connected to fixing, solving, supporting, helping. Right. Um, and so then if I'm not doing that, do I, 
am I questioning my worth, right? Then that puts us in a, you know, in, in this kind of work specifically can put you in a place of um, saviorism. It can put you, it can also put you in a place of self-harm, of not actually caring for our own needs and always putting that out externally. So I think, I think thinking about that, you know, putting the work out externally and not internally <clears throat> is absolutely critical as well to DEI work, um, to constantly, or I should say, I'll speak from my place of a lot of social identities that, that put me in place of compounded privilege. Sure. Um, but I need to continue to do the internal work of what is that about? Mm -hmm. um, if it's if it's guilt or shame that I'm holding, how to uh, to remember that that's not a useful. It might be a good indicator, like something's off, sure. but it's not yeah. a useful place to stay. Mm -hmm. So how do I process that? What is this about, and how can I be better in community with others? Um, I'm I'm in the, I'm in the place I I. I adore other people who are already there where they're talking about like, it's my own liberation, it's my own humanity. And then we're working together in collaboration to uplift all of humanity. Right. Um, but I think that's a place where I am now, but thinking about how our work internally contributes to the work that we do with others. And to remember that then they are having their internal journey as they work to become a more inclusive organization, right? So it's, you've got this organization piece and then you've got every personality at a different place with our own socialization that's telling different stories to us in our heads. And so to be able to hold that while we're also looking to collectively create a place that is inclusive, collectively create a place that is actively working toward shifting our culture and creating greater justice. That's beautiful, beautifully said. <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I, I come across so much as, as relevant in terms of maybe a statement in a presentation or in a workshop, <clears throat> the, the concept of you know what you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and as you describe, the journey as you talk about you know uh even in, in your quotes of how sort of this perceived white savior savior complex led you to peace corps or led you to doing a certain type of charitable work and really what that was masked in has i would argue a lot to do if not everything to do with the ways in which your sense of normalcy had been painted, you know, and, and society told you, here's what your role is in relationship to these people. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the, the dismantling of that, it, it, it takes some work, you know, and so for you yeah. to share it, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, and I think recently I've even uh, shifted my language a little bit from shedding the savior complex mm -hmm. um, to thinking of myself um, to I want to say like with respect because I, I don't know the process very well, but thinking around the idea of a 12 step process of that. I'm a recovering white savior, right? That, that, that is something that is in me. Yeah. And um, so I want to, I want to be very respectful and honor 
folks who are in their own programs. Of course. Um, but thinking that this, it's not something that it's like, oh, you know, I, I had my appendix removed. We're good. You know, I, I white savior complex has been removed from me. It's good. Right. Now I can move forward and, right. because it creeps back in, right? right? It creeps back in or something else gets ignited that touches one of my, you know, deep intrapersonal roots that got installed, right? That's got right. installed during those early years. That's right. And so now it's a matter of being able to name it and catch it when it's coming. That's right. Going, uh, 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 uh. That's right. No, not now. <laughs> <laughs> Stay there. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's 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 stick with this for a little bit longer, uh, sure. Malia. Um I'm I'm sure you followed or you you've you've seen a little bit, but most recently Robin D'Angelo has trended. Um and she's been trending because essentially of what she, what what she charges for appearances, something like thirty k for an hour or something along those lines. Uh, and she does, uh, uh, you know, she's known most uh, most prominently for her work on anti-blackness and anti-racism, white fragility, as we all know, in particular. Uh, but she's she's popped up in terms of the ways in which she's perceived to be using her privilege to benefit off of in this case, the black struggle. What would you say is the role of white women in this diversity work um, in general, or even when it comes to, to pay advocacy? Yeah. Hmm. So with, with all of that, uh, kind of like you said, the attention, the, the criticism, the um, assumptions around that piece, um, which I think some very valid and some you know, still trying to work through that in my head. Um, several of, um, I'm, I'm connected to a group of some other white women who are in this space and we were getting together to have that conversation around um, where, is, where is our space? Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like? Where, where are, we, when, when and where are we in a space where we should get out of the way because it's mm -hmm. not our place anymore? Um, and, and I, I mean, I'm, I continue to sit in internal conflict with, with where pay lands, um, and where then, you know, and then where, if I'm connecting with someone else or hiring an independent contractor to work with me as well, how can I actually create my pay structures that, that debunk or not debunk, but kind of offset um, the pay equity scale, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say like, oh, I'm gonna hire uh, a woman of color and we're gonna do some co-creation together. How can I look at that um, inequitable factoring and say, okay, you're gonna earn this much to rebalance the scales, yes. or at least, you know, it's not gonna rebalance the scales globally, but how in, in our partnership, in our relationship, can we rebalance to an equitable place? Right. So that's one thing, at least about payment that I'm, I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And then another piece around coming into the work uh, where white women can be, should be, I hate the word should, right? Um, but I think there is, I will personally say, I think that there's value in connecting with other white folks, mm. right? To 
Let me share my journey. Let me share the places where I've screwed up. Let me share how I used to think sure. and what happened to me. What are the messages that I got that helped me to think differently? Sure. Because I, I see, I can see myself in white folks who are somewhere else earlier in their path, right? I, I can remember that I can see myself when I was there and say, what did I need to bring me along? Yes. And if I can offer that. Um, and, you know, my, my partner, when I was, he and I were talking and uh, he's a white man and uh, we were talking and I was kind of sharing some of this conflict and, and I knew he was going to reassure me. And, and I had this moment of like, well, he's going to assure me from his, his white male lens. You know, he believes in anti-racism. He's on the journey too, but he's going to reassure me and talk about the, the money piece. And he surprised me and said, so he, did, he did reassure me, but the way he said it really worked for me, which is, um, what's, what's better for the world? For me to be in this work and connecting with others and being valuable in the spaces where I can be, or me going to work for like an insurance company uh. or something else, right? Or just mm -hmm. some other work that, wouldn't fulfill me, but would pay the bills that I need to get paid. And so, okay. I mean, he really tapped into like, he That's knew sure. which buttons to push on me. <laughs> so I hope that, I hope that I can continue to live up to paying attention to my space, being useful where I'm useful mm -hmm. and, and being, aware of where I'm not so I can get out or being gracious to the feedback when I don't see it. And folks say like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't your spot. This is not your lane, Malia. Right. And to, to f hear that and absorb that. That's right. Um, and, and say, yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Let's, let me, let me shift. Yeah. 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 And let's, so and that that brings up another interesting question for me, um, because there there seems to be a lot of negotiation in terms of what is my role, what is my space as a white woman in this work. And uh, I love how you talked about <clears throat> there is value in working with other white folks. I mean, because I've been in front of and continue to be in front of plenty of white people uh, delivering content on on social justice and you know there are times where i'll get looked at as well here we go again another black guy having this discussion right and uh i remember having a a critical seminar five weeks on critical whiteness systemic whiteness yeah. um, and i asked this, uh, a white colleague of mine a man uh who's a good friend really helped me on my journey to consulting piece um come in and and lead it and uh, that was intentional. I mean, it, it hits differently when you see someone who shares a similar experience, possibly in this journey with you, telling you about how how this has operated. So, have you found that to be valuable, sort of, in the work you've done with white folks, being able to use those I statements and take a position of, here's my my experience in this journey. Here's how I can help you out. Have you found that to be receptive and valuable? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all the time, no. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I think, I think there's a, there is almost like a, a receptivity scale, like where people are in different places and, um, going from like closed off of, you know, a denial space, right? Ah, this isn't a real problem. It doesn't affect me. You know, some of that denial space and then shifting into a, Oh, it is real going. I don't know what I don't know. And now I know there's a lot that I don't know or everything I thought I knew is untrue. And, and so I, I want to drink it from the fire hose. Right. Mm -hmm. So finding those that sweet spot of when people are in a place to take it in and to absorb. And so um, my, my coach, one of my coaches and mentors, uh, Dr. Kathy O'Bear, she uses the phraseology and I'm sure, I believe she, she credits it to somebody else. I'm quite sure. Um, but using the self as instrument, like how do mm. I use myself as the instrument? And so yeah, it's often about reflecting on some of my own stories, reflecting sure. on my journey, and then also using, right, tools of the trade, right, best practices that we have to, to help folks on that reflective process and the unlearning to then apply moving forward in how do I, how do I re-enter into community now knowing something differently? How do I show up differently? Right, right. Yeah, that's... And and it's extremely valuable as someone who's who doesn't identify as white because <clears throat> I can see sometimes the difference when other white folks as allies and stewards of change are in front of other white folks having these critical discussions in the ways that need to be had. So um, I can see where a difference is being made on your end. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely goes a long way um, in terms of the overall uh, uh, sort of pyramid of the work. Uh, let's I talk. Hope that, um, Go ahead. I hope, I hope that, you know, and I've done some work where I'm like really working with white people on our whiteness, right? Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? And then there are times when I'm in workshops and co-facilitating that are, you know, mixed race workshops we've got everyone there and I hope in those spaces right that I'm that I'm helpful for the white folks there but I'm, I also hope that my presence and some of what I bring is feels validating yes. to folk of color in the room for BIPOC mm -hmm. folks to be like all right if she said it then I don't have to right mm -hmm. I like okay she said so maybe they'll hear it but like you said they'll hear yeah. from her but if she said then I don't I don't have to be the one to bring it up. And look, she's saying what I've been saying all along, yeah. <laughs> um, which then also is kind of like, I, I imagine incredibly frustrating and even infuriating to, to, to have been in that position to say, I've been saying this all along and now yeah. this white woman came in and you heard it. Like I'm, I'm glad they heard it. And I'm, I also feel, you know, crummy knowing that, that it wasn't received from from staff members from team members because yeah yeah because this isn't new that's I mean, the shift we're looking for right 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 this has been spoken about for a while um it's just that when it was coming from me you either didn't want to hear it or thought it was it was less than you know and we didn't prioritize it yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. but i want to talk about the consulting um 
So I have, I'm sitting on a question. Uh, I'm not sure if it comes first or if it comes after. So I'm, I'm going to ask the question I have and then uh, I'll ask that question next if it still makes sense. Okay. Uh, uh, Malia, what do you, what, so let me see. Visceral Change, we are an organizational development consultancy. So we try to help organizations center their professional frameworks around diversity and inclusion, mission statements, vision statements, hiring practices, et cetera. Right? I, would say that's, I would say that's what we specialize in. We also do training and development workshops for the growth of the entity, but what we are at the heart is an OD consultancy. Malia Dunn Consulting, what is it? What do you specialize in, if you will? Uh, and what do you hope to accomplish by working with people and organizations? Um, I, I believe so. If I, if I pull back to inclusion embraced, mm -hmm. um, and I kind of lean into that, I'm thinking about the shift from a place of denying to a place of, I can embrace this, right? So I went from denying privilege. So I hope I can like, or at the organizational level, mm -hmm. hopefully do some work that gets people more ready um, for work with you, right? And work with other, or more ready to hear some of the um, more advanced and more um, exciting and an intense work right. of allyship, yep. right? That a lot of people want to be there, but if you go charging in without having done that deep self work, you're going to charge in and, and just yep. whiteness all over the place, right? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yep. um, so I, you know, I think of my, of that kind of critical transition space from um, that's not me. I'm not part of that. I don't hold that, you know, what do you mean I have white privilege? I, I had challenges. I, you know, I had to work hard to say like, I believe you and, right? I believe you and, um, to move to a place of embracing the truth that you carry, whatever it is that you carry, wherever you hold privilege to embrace the truth of that, not necessarily to embrace the privilege to be like, ha ha, yeah, I got it, right? Um, but more of like embrace that truth. Yes. recognize it and honor it and here you know here's how we do that here's the, here's the learning and the, the thematic sequence to get to that place yes. so that there is then the nimbleness the receptivity the flexibility to say you know wow if we're all doing this if we all have a, an, a different skill set a different vantage point right now or multiple vantage points of how we're looking at this work, then man, organizational transformation can just blossom, yes. I hope, from there. So, yes. no, I, I hope, I hope to, I hesitate in saying changing hearts and minds, like I don't wanna be the change, sure. but I do hope that hearts and minds can find their ways to the change that they want or they need to be aligned with their true self, right? Aligned with their humanity, aligned with the values that they believe in. Right. Instead of showing up in ways that we think we're doing good and all we're focused on is our intention and what, you know, 
but actually making sure that that attend, that intention is totally aligned in in your behaviors, mm -hmm. in your language, mm -hmm. in your belief systems, and then ultimately and most importantly on the impact that we can create toward change, toward yes. shift, towards justice. And that's very clear. I, I would say on your website, um, you're super candid. It's, it's one of the best reads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, <clears throat> you have one of the best sort of websites to read. Um, I wonder if that's a, uh, you know how they have those like top 50 best websites to read. <laughs> I wonder if that's a thing. Uh, you would be <laughs> on there for sure. Um, it just brings you in. And, and, you know, hearing you say it as someone who's perused your website, it really only echoes what's already there. Uh, and I think you create a feeling of inclusivity uh, where inclusion can be embraced. And um, y your points about really having, as I, as I hear it, because uh, for me, the importance of having a, found, a foundation as it pertains to these larger issues is huge. Otherwise, like you said, you walk into a room, it's all whiteness or all homogenous in one way. Um, and you're not really grasping the concepts because we end up back where we first started, which was what you know is what you know, what you don't know is what you don't know. And that does nobody any good when it comes to the advanced sort of critical dismantling of some of these concepts. When I was even just sitting here as we're reflecting, I'm, I'm having this little, and I'm trying to stay present, but I have this little spinning in my head around even the language of winning over, like winning over, like then it's a zero sum game of there are winners, there are losers. losers or yep. I like, or that this, rather mm -hmm. than this being relationship where we connect, mm -hmm. it's a, I gotcha. Yep. Um, so yeah, something that I'm, I'm thinking that I don't want to be a gotcha. I want, I want to strive for authentic connection. That's right. And, I, and that's the journey. Uh, Malia, you've been great. I got one last question for you. Just one. Uh, okay. And then I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if you could narrow it down to a few, or one, right? But if you could narrow it down to a few, what would you say is the biggest challenge you face in this work? And then I have a follow-up after this. So. Mm. And it could be anything, really. It could be like, the opposition we talked about it could be the, the financial negotiations on the front end uh, no those are i mean they're they exist mm -hmm. and i i i look at those as just kind of like realities of the job sure personally the biggest challenge for me is my own internal self-doubt and fear and that fear rooted in doing harm and perpetuating white supremacy culture mm -hmm. when I'm when I'm trying not to, right? The my deep fear in in whole creating harm where I don't want to, and so that's kind of a constant, constantly running through my head of I want to continue to learn and continue to show up and continue to have when I do have a mess up. Hopefully, I have developed authentic relationships and caring friendships with um folk of color with you know folks other you know just that will hold up that mirror mm -hmm. to say mm, we need to show you something mm -hmm. um and then like i said before and then continue to to take that 
and believe that instead of like, no, 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 that's not, you didn't, you interpreted me wrong, but to say like, yep, we just found another layer. Yep. Um, Yep. Thank you. Right. And now I can incorporate that moving forward. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's my, you know, kind of probably goes back to the whole self-worth piece of being helpful and all of that, but it's, it's the fear. Um, and I have, uh, I, you had said earlier about the nurturing, right. Of many people. And when you said that, I even kind of got that, that tingle sensation in of care and love and gratitude and appreciation for all of the folks who have brought, um, their loving accountability, Mm -hmm. their voices, but even just sitting right here, I see a line from a poem that was shared with me from another, uh, another practitioner, uh, Mm -hmm. Eva Scheiber. And it, the, the stanza is, let's see, I am not here to be fearless. I'm here to not let fear stop me. Uh, And if fear dissolves, so be it. I like that. No. It's, you know, got to keep it right there. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She, she has the sort of the, the take the other to lunch activity that Mm -hmm. I've I've seen. So she's, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I'll ask the follow up anyway, although I think you may have jabbed a little bit in it, but you may be able to have a different response. And that is, Mm -hmm. uh, what message can you give? And this is my final question to you, Malia, what message can you give to the upstart consultants who are looking to join this work? (gasps) Ah, (laughs) um, to, um, to take care of yourselves mm-hmm. in the process, right? Um, to block time and have boundaries for self-care, for play, mm-hmm. um, because the work is, the work has real depth and it has real significance. Um, and, and it's very easy to just swirl in that. Um, and I have not mastered, like, obviously I haven't mastered it, but, um, we teach best what we most need to learn. That's a phraseology right there. So, um, one of that piece. And then, I mean, for me, the other piece and you, I, I, uh, my envy when I, when I look at your website, um, in addition to, your incredible gifts of talent and oh, how you, you share your knowledge and piece of that. But I think about how you've grown a team and I'm like, <laughs> damn, <laughs> he's got somebody to, to do some of this work instead of wearing 17 different hats of like, yeah. I'm my accountant, I'm my scheduler, I'm my marketer, I'm the <laughs> practitioner. I'm, um, so that kind of piece, which it's, it's kind of exciting mm-hmm. and sometimes exhausting and yeah. just, trying to be kind and gentle to myself along the learning process and, and trust that it will come. Yeah. That's, that's, and that is why we do what we do. And that is why we continue to do what we do. So Malia Dunn, thank you so much. Before I let you go, where can people get in touch with you? Do you have any social media, uh, your website, any publications, podcasts, anything at all? 
<laughs> so my web my website is um, maliadun.com. Okay. Um, I have I'm I'm getting into the place of getting a rhythm with a Facebook page that I believe is Malia Dunn Coaching. Okay. Um, and it's one of those things like where you, or it might no I'm lying I'm lying. It is Malia Dunn Inclusion Embraced. Okay. I did figure out how to I figure out how to change that. So. Um, if people aren't going to find me like with a super social media presence. Like that's a, that's hat 18 right? <laughs> um, of getting there. Um, and, and trying to kind of be react, right. Reacting to the work and the folks that are, are finding me, yep. which is nice. And from some good relationships to then, you know, I am eager to, spend some time writing like I when I can sit and do some blogging I love it um and so that's you know maybe another piece for myself but advice for others is carve out the time for the things that you want to create that's right and that, that generative work in addition to the the needs and the work that is coming from others because at some point they're gonna they're gonna match they will match that's right Malia, thank you so much for joining us on the chopping block. Thank you. We finally did it. We finally I, did it. When you first, first uh, planted the seed. Yeah, and now yeah, the, yeah. The, the tree, right? You, your logo is the tree. The tree has grown. The tree has grown. Maybe, hasn't I, I may be still seedling. Just a little seedling. We're, we're getting there. We're making it happen. You're, you know, you are, happen. you're the mighty, you're the mighty, the mighty tree. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, friends, family, all my people. Malia Dunn, Sherrod Robbins, here with the chopping block at visceralchange.org.